it's like dating. You know, you just show up sometimes you're like, this is not working. Like you're cute and all like right idea, but no. And then you, you know, I'm married now and you end up with the one that's perfect and cute, but sometimes you're just like, uh, do I have to show up with you every day? Like, just I'm gonna remember that. Treatment for ment- my mental health stuff is like dating. I'm gonna remember that. It's gonna still, yes. <laughs> Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 105 of the Between You and Me podcast. This is a place where we talk about the things that hurt, heal, and change us in evangelical culture. My name is Jessica Morris. I'm an Australian music journalist, and I love having real conversations with musicians and people who are in the Christian music industry to figure out what really happens behind the scenes. It has been a big and good week where I live in Australia. Good in the sense that we have, my state, Victoria, has been in lockdown for quite a while now and we've gotten to a point where we've hit a certain vaccination mark. So we actually have restrictions easing basically when you hear this episode, which means that we can go into people's homes again. It means that I have friends in metropolitan Melbourne who can actually go like further than 15 kilometers from their home. I'm not sure how many miles that is, but just half it, I guess. Is that a thing? I don't know. But it's it's exciting. There's still a lot of fear at the moment and a lot of concern, especially for our healthcare workers as they deal with a really intense healthcare system at the moment, understandably. But things are feeling hopeful. There's word that maybe our international borders will open again soon, um, which anyone who's been listening to the podcast for more than five minutes knows I'm excited about because I used to live in Nashville. I want to get back there. As you hear this, I think the Dove Awards will just be airing. I was actually invited to cover the Dove Awards for the first time ever this year. I don't know who of my friends in Nashville wrangled that invitation, but if you are listening, Thank you. God bless you. I'm so grateful. My hope and my prayer is that this time next year, I could be there doing media coverage at the Dove Awards, maybe talking to some of our friends, celebrating their victories in Christian music. Because what they have shown me and what this podcast has shown me is that there is good in Christian music. There are good people here. God is moving here. He's active. And there are people who are willing to question the status quo, people who really love authentically. Which brings me to today's guest. After all this talk of Christian musicians, today's guest isn't actually a musician. I mean, Peyton Garland, an author from Colorado Springs, she, I mean, she plays piano. She's a wannabe rapper. So in that sense, you could call her a musician, right? But, but no, Peyton is an author and she approached me because she has a really compelling story about growing up in a super conservative Southern Baptist church with really clear and definitive ideas about who God was and who she was and the role of women. And everything changed for her when she started experiencing obsessive compulsive disorder. Now, Peyton actually wrote a book about this called Not So By Myself. It has been endorsed by like Hannah Brencher, which is just mind-blowing for me. And I was thrilled when Peyton reached out uh, because she can give us an insight into what it means to grow up in evangelical culture and to, in essence, deconstruct because you have to as a method of survival of actually confronting 
the mental health issues in her life. She had to deconstruct her beliefs, um, who she was, and actually confront some religious abuse or, or spiritual trauma in her life. In that sense, I think a lot of us can learn from Peyton. I know that as soon as I started talking to her, I felt like we would be best friends if we lived in the same city. Like she's obsessed with her dogs. She loves going to coffee shops. She loves Hallmark movies. I mean, this is basically me just with an American accent. So, um, oh, except she has cooler music taste because anyone who likes rap just has to be cool. And she's clearly cool in that way. So all that to say is today's conversation is really compelling. Peyton is so much fun. She's so full of light, even though she's talking about a really intense topic. And as you will hear in this interview, I actually reflect a lot of my own learning about obsessive compulsive disorder back to Peyton because I have lived with OCD, as I call it, um, for a large part of my life, the majority of my life now. But I, I have, I've lacked some understanding about it or lack, lack some education. I've actually learned an awful lot by following her on social media and learning her story. And so Peyton is kind enough to go into the details, not just about what she lives with, with someone with obsessive compulsive disorder, but what it actually looks like in different areas. There are different types of OCD, and, and one of those strains can actually be about religious trauma, right? So this is fascinating. I think a lot of you will relate to elements of this, even if you don't experience a mental health diagnosis. Now we are going to jump straight into a short bio. So you'll learn about Peyton, the who, what, when, where, why of your new friend. Then we're going to get straight into this interview with a specially curated playlist that I hope reflects the heartbeat of Peyton Garland. Update me on that, Peyton. Thank you. Here you go, friends. Meet Peyton Garland. This Colorado Springs-based author loves coffee shops, her two gremlin dogs, her words, not mine, and she loves Christian rap. So basically, we're all best friends already, right? Yeah. Now, like I said before, and like many of our guests, Peyton isn't a Christian musician, though she does have some pretty shocking accounts of having to play piano in a very, very long skirt. But we could say that she's a wannabe rapper, her appreciation for NF puts me to shame. All of that to say is that Peyton grew up in a conservative Southern Baptist church and she knew Jesus and believed in him from a very young age. But the foundation of her life fell in when a few years ago she was actually diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. Now this is a long important story that Peyton will go into but what you need to know is this. Peyton shares her story with the world in her memoir Not So By Myself. It is an invitation to readers to believe that God invites us to thrive in our loneliness with him, especially when churchy words and sayings just don't cut it. How many of us can relate to that? Peyton's memoir was promoted by a former White House press secretary, Dana Perino, and endorsed by TED Talk speaker and creator of the More Love Letters movement, Hannah Brencher. Wherever you sit in politics, that's just mind-blowing. Trust me. Peyton is a guest writing coach for the Broadleaf Writers Association and a blogger. She's a mental health advocate and, as she would say, a pilot's wife. She opened up to me about her raw journey deconstructing faith and religious trauma. Peyton gets real about counselling, isolation and meeting Jesus in the middle of all of it. My friends, it is my absolute delight to introduce your new best friend. This is Peyton Garland. 
So, Peyton Garland, is that how I say your name correctly? Yes, it is. Yes. Okay. I love your name, for starters. Thank you. (laughs) This is the highest compliment from me. I feel like it comes from a Hallmark movie and I love Hallmark movies. So play or like like a country singer and it needs to be on like some sort of Christmas album and I love it. You could do either of those career paths, just so you know. Well, I will... I will tell you this. I I met my husband on a blind date. He was my date to a wedding and we never met until the wedding. So we do kind of have one of those funky Hallmark stories. So I think that could work. You can make money from this. You write the novel and then just sell it. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, all that to say, for people who have never met you before, Peyton, who is Peyton Garland? Oh, well, Peyton Garland is a mess is what she is most days, but I, relate to that. I am an author. <laughs> I'm an author. My book's called Not So By Myself. I am super passionate, not just about writing, but I love traveling. My husband and I are travel junkies. He's actually a pilot. So we just love being in the air or on the road. We are parents to the two worst dogs on the face of the planet, but they are so cute that we keep them. And if we're not hiking, if I'm not writing, you can honestly find me probably checking out a local coffee shop. I love to coffee shop hop. And I also try to be a rapper and it just doesn't work. All of so all those, are, those are my hobbies. <laughs> I love that. You know, I, I hear that I and I'm like, if we live in the same city, we would be friends. Because I do all the same things except... Hiking, I mean, I'm not against it. Just don't do it. And rap can't do, but I'm all for supporting your career. So, and when you decide to do an album, we will promote it for you. (laughs) What I'll do, I'll just, we, if we can get on the same continent, I think we could find a way to each other. Yeah, we'll make it work. I'm there for that. So your book is, hang on, let me, my notes, forgive me. Your your book is Not So By Myself, um, which one awesome title, um, Can you tell me about the book and the genesis of sharing your story with basic strangers? Right, (laughs) right. So it's funny, once I sent the original manuscript off and I got the email from my publisher and he said, hey, your, your book's at the press, like it's printing. I sat there and I went, oh man, so everyone knows I might be crazy. Like now everyone on Amazon has full access to me. It was, it, it was very exposed. It felt very raw. But my story began when my husband, Josh, first started his piloting career. So right when he and I got married, he was actually a sales rep for one of the um, football teams, one of the professional football teams in the U.S., the Atlanta Falcons. So, I mean, we had good money. It was a good nine to five. We were in a healthy routine. And he comes home out of the blue one day and says, hey, babe, I think I want to be a pilot. And I'm over here like, You've never mentioned a plane. What? Like you? Okay, but but we're really financially okay, right? Like we're more than okay. What, what do we do? So I I am just I'm flabbergasted. But I say what I think every good wife should say because we'd only been married for about five six months at the time. I said okay, you you go do your thing. Um, in flight school, you can't work a full time job and fly. And I was working at a nonprofit at the time. So, oh, wow. I, yeah. I made, uh-huh, yeah. So, I made no money. Um, so, I ended up working three jobs for about a year to get him through flight school to get, you know, make sure we still had running water and food. 
And he finishes flight school. And I'm thinking that's the end. Like I can go back to one job. He's now got his job. Everything should be fine. And what happened is this was right before COVID when there were still so many pilots that you went to whichever airport had a job available. Like there wasn't a high demand for pilots because there wasn't a shortage. And so we were living in Georgia at the southeastern part of the United States. And he was then sent to an airport in Indiana, which is in the middle of the country. So we are now states and states apart, hours apart. We've only been married a year and a half. Oh, man. And we had just moved to a new part of Georgia for my job. So I was in a new city. I didn't know my neighbors. I didn't know my coworkers. For the first time in my life, I was away from my family. I'm, I'm a family girl. And now I'm nowhere near them. And the one person I knew is now up and gone. And I spend the next three or four months by myself taking care of these terrible dogs. And I just, I go through a lot because what I realized is when you're finally by yourself and it's quiet and there's no one to distract you, you have to start dealing with some things that you've kind of kept tucked away for a long time. And so I had to start unraveling some church trauma I grew up in. I had to figure out how I actually saw God. I had to figure out that I was not okay mentally. This journey led me to go to counseling and getting diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. And so my book is just this really vulnerable journey through loneliness. And the fact that actually when you're vulnerable and you are open and honest, that is the gateway to freedom. Like that's how you get to the other side of loneliness and of heartache and mental health battles. It's not that everything gets fixed because we know reality. We know how this works, but you have a hope that you couldn't bank on before that you do now. You can't keep going at a rate like this, running from your life when you're meant to live. Gotta keep on My granddad in 07, still trying to cope to this day I was wondering if you went to heaven, yeah There ain't nothing I could change I spent late nights, I was scared to die I ain't wanna see the grave I was playing games with my heartbeat Instead of slowing down just to pray You have been reaching for the hand you thought you'd never grab But Jesus brings the hope you thought you'd never have yeah. Tired of living in a nightmare, Lord, I just wanna hear you Run around this same circle, don't make me feel brand new You gotta know it ain't over cause you gotta hand a hole Let his peace come rushing through your soul Too many reasons for you just to let go There's hope You can't keep going at a rate like this Running from your life when you're meant to live Gotta keep on breathing, There's too many reasons No, you can't keep going at a rate Thank you for being brave enough to live that story and to share it because that, that takes yeah, a lot absolutely. of courage. Yeah. Well, and if it, I had a friend who took me to coffee one day and 
she just told me she'd been diagnosed with OCD and she just, she spilled everything I'd been thinking. And she was like, yeah, I got diagnosed. I'm always afraid I've ran people over on the road. I turned my car around to make sure I didn't ran anybody off the road. That's called harm OCD. She said, you know, I'm afraid to hold children or change their diapers because I'm afraid I might hurt them in some way. That's harm OCD. I have that. And I'm sitting there going, ah, I'm not crazy. Or if I am crazy, at least I'm not the only one. Like there are crazies out there like me. So, So for me, there's a whole chapter in my book that talks about that girl. Her name's Wendy. And I, I want to be a Wendy for someone else. She changed my life being honest with me. And so I want to be there for other people so they can go, hey, wait, that I'm not by myself in this one. Like, it's not just me. Yeah. So do, do you mind if I ask you some specific questions about your obsessive compulsive disorder? No. Go for how it. Else, how, does it, how does it show up for you in your life, or particularly in that period when you were alone trying to manage two dogs? How did it show up for you and, and reveal itself to you in that time? Sure. So what helps people understand it, because OCDs, there's kind of a stigma around it. People think you just like to color coordinate clothes or you've got to straighten up the picture frames. And that is called symmetry OCD. But there's four branches of obsessive compulsive disorder and they affect different people in different ways. What they believe happens, the science of it all is they think it's genetic. And when you're born, your frontal lobe in the front of your brain that processes the way you feel things, impulses the way you react to things, and your ventral striatum, it's in the back of your brain. Those two are supposed to communicate to the rest of your brain how to function, literally how to process reality. And what they've discovered with people with OCD is that communication's faulty. There's literally a chemical miswire where the frontal lobe and the ventral striatum don't communicate properly. So my ability to assess something from a logical, realistic place doesn't always happen. Hence the compulsion and the obsession. You you can't just observe something and go, okay, you didn't run anybody off the road. You're good, Peyton. Just keep driving. Like that doesn't happen. So for me in that season of loneliness, what I discovered, it was first emotional. I noticed I was getting very angry very easily. Everything was just agitating me. I was very irritated I started obsessing over the dogs. I I felt guilty leaving them at work. I would drive my lunch break. I I didn't care if I had a lunch break. I'd drive home just to make sure they were breathing. I ended up buying a $70 dog camera so I could watch them when I wasn't there. And it's very obsessive. Like, obviously, I fed them. They went out to the bathroom. They are fine. But I'm over here checking the lock on the door 50 times. I get to work and I'm afraid I forgot to turn off the stove. And what if the house catches on fire and I burn my dogs up? And I think of all the wedding memorabilia in my house. What if that burns up? There's no way I'm going to be able to get it back. And so it's all of this stuff over and over. And at work, it's overthinking conversations. If someone didn't speak to me or how they spoke to me, I can't just let it go. Like it's eating me alive and I can't process it. I'm on my way home and I think I've ran people off the road and it's, it's constant. And so what, what they believe is people with, it's called intrusive thought OCD with all the crazy thoughts and you just can't shake them. They think people with OCD think almost seven times faster than the average brain. So for every one thought of an average brain, OCD is over here just going off, off the walls. So I have all these thoughts, all these thoughts, all these thoughts. I get home and I don't know what to do with them because OCD isn't rational. And so I have no clue what's real and what's not. And it's just me sitting by myself constantly in such a high stress mode 
And next thing I know, I have dropped 10 pounds. I can't put it back on. I'm not sleeping. So it's my physical body then said, hey, we we are not like this is not okay. And, And I think physically my friend, Wendy, I got coffee with her one day and I sat down. I hadn't sat down for 10 seconds. And she said, you're not okay. What's wrong? Said she said I can look at you. She said you don't realize it. She said but your hands are shaking. You look too thin. Like I, I'm a tiny girl, but I mean I was t- like sickly tiny. And and once I finally listened to her again, and I said okay, it's not just me thinking this stuff. Other people are starting to notice something's wrong. That's when I said okay, this this has got to be something. I was pretty sure it was OCD, but wasn't ready to face a mental health diagnosis. But at that point, what choice did I have? Are you a creator? Do you like creating fancy slideshows for church? Or maybe you're a videographer, a podcaster like me. Maybe you just love creating things and you need amazing stock music or videos to fill the needs. That is where Soundstripe comes in. The team at Soundstripe are world-class musicians who have hired world-class musicians to create stock music without all the loopholes of licensing. Simply subscribe and you can select what track you want and license it as many times as you want. It's a great way to support artists and create world-class content. We love our friends at Soundstripe. We have been partnered with them since the first episode of Between You and Me, and we are so grateful for their support. If you would like to use their content or check them out, go right now to soundstripe.com and use the code UMEPOD at checkout for 10% off. That is the code UMEPOD at the checkout, and you will get 10% off. You're welcome. Hey, it's me again. Big surprise, I know. But you know what I love? Nearly equally as much as good music. I love a good band tea. And I love a good nostalgic band tea, which is why I'm a big fan of the Between You and Me web store. If you head there right now, you will actually find that we have throwbacks to some of the most iconic Christian musicians and plenty of ammunition for the next catch up with the friends you survived Christian college with or who also survived being a PK with. Go check out our t-shirts, our hoodies, our masks, because that's a thing in 2020, and even our phone covers or notebooks. We would love you to take home a piece of Between You and Me, and remember wherever you go that you belong here, that you are a part of a family of misfits, 
and worshippers and questioners and people who apparently like nostalgia. Go and check it out now at our website, betweenyouandmepod.com and hit the shop button. Hearing your story, I relate to so many of those aspects and even you saying them is really a relief for me. Thank you. Um, I, I got, uh, I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder when I was like 14. Um, so lived like half my life with that. And, but OCD was never like official diagnosis. It was just something that was there. And so I hearing you talk about that makes me go, oh yeah, okay. And the fact that thoughts go seven times faster, it gets exhausting, right? And you get to a point where you, like, you've actually got no energy to function or even to try to recover because you're so exhausted. Yeah. And it's so hard to get to that breaking point to actually start or try to start again. That's really tough. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. It's There's constant fatigue. People with OCD typically experience constant exhaustion because it's like what I tell people, I might have only been awake for an hour, but my brain has already ran a marathon. Oh, yeah. And, and that's just and that's just how it feels day after day after day. Yeah. So in in the midst of all that, what was your experience of God? Could, could you identify where he was in that? Was that, was that difficult? Oh, it was frustrating. I think that was probably the word for it. I, I was a Christian school kid. I grew up in the Christian school. I My grandfather was the, the head of the deacons at our church. Wow. My grandmother was a Sunday school teacher. My mom was an Awana leader. I, I mean, I if the doors were open, I was there. And so I grew up hearing, you know, God will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus will leave the 99 to come after you. And I grew up in an unhealthy church culture. It was, I heard all the preachy sayings and the cliche things, but the church was so buried in rules that I I never saw God's goodness. I just saw rules. And, and that's a lot to carry. And, and what happened is <laughs> there's another branch of OCD called mental thoughts and taboo rituals, OCD, AKA religious OCD. And people who experience church trauma often develop religious OCD. And so I developed that. And it was very much always afraid I never said the right prayer. Did I pray at the right time? What if I wasn't on my knees? What if, did I ask God to forgive me of that sin? If I didn't, do I have to go back and ask forgiveness? But I'm pretty sure I did. So did he actually forgive me? Just all of this all the time. And so I'm finally in a season of loneliness and I'm having to face the idea of, okay, so God is either here or he's forsaken me. He's either left the 99 to come after me or he hasn't. So it's, we've got to put away all these rules because they're drowning me. I've, I've got to get help from my brain. And I've also got to decide what to do with this concept of God being good because I don't see it. I don't feel it. I am angry. And for me, the breaking point was, is, is a good girl, a good Christian school girl. I was the valedictorian of my high school class. I was always doing well and performing well. My breaking point was when I finally, I, I remember I was walking up and down the hall in, in the home by myself. Josh was still away. I was crying. I was tired. The thoughts wouldn't stop. And I remember stomping my feet like a child. I mean, I was acting like I was two years old. I just stomped my foot at God. I threw my hand up at the sky and I said, God, I said, what the hell are you doing? I said, I I don't know what you're doing, man. I was talking to him like I would Josh if I was angry. I said, what are you doing, man? I said, because I don't, I don't feel you. 
I don't hear you. I said, I am here. I'm not going to go anywhere because I would like to believe you're good. Now, now you've got to show me like, are you good or not? But because I can't figure you out right now. So it was just the gosh, two decades of anger, two decades of rules, two decades of undiagnosed OCD. And I just spilled it to him. This good girl is over here throwing cuss words around in prayers, which is not what I, that is not what I want your takeaway to be. But I was finally real with God. And the second I was real with God is the second he turned around and said, like, I haven't, haven't gone anywhere, sis. Like, I'm here. And, be, and because you are opening up to me, the cool thing is I can open up to you. Like you and I can start talking and we can start working through some stuff. And that was a 180. That prayer, as terrible as it was, like I have no clue if I'll actually have to answer for that prayer for some of the, the pouting and the negative language in the prayer. But, but that was it. That I wouldn't say this when I met God because I met God when I was 13. But this is when I finally said, hey, God isn't someone I can just love because we're told all the time. Love God, love God. That's, in my head, that was a rule. I said, you know what? I can like him too. Like this is a this is a God. Wow. I don't just have to love out of obedience. I can like you because you're cool. Like I want to sit down with you. We can talk. And my prayer life, 180. Like it, it is so honest. It is so raw. I I don't overthink. Am I if I'm sitting? If I'm standing? If he actually heard me? He's he's my friend. Like that, that's who I look to at the end of the day. And that's who I look to when I get up. And, and I'll tell you, if it wasn't for that terrible experience and the other experiences, the, the church junk, the, the not meeting perfection, Josh being gone, the OCD that, that I, I firmly believe will never go away. There's no fix for it right now. If I didn't battle all that and honestly let it snowball out of control, I don't think my prayer life would have gotten out of control in a good way. There, there was finally some freedom in my prayer life. And, and that's where I found God. I've been messed up. Stressed out with no luck. But every time I wake up, I get a chance to wake up. Thank God I got a chance to wake up. Wake up. Another day that get my kick up. Kick up. Cause every time I wake up, Wake up, wake up, wake up, little slick, get up out of bed You was like a couple steps away from being out of here Thank you for my granny prayers, thank you for my partner now I thought I was finished, yeah, Jesus told me start again I will party sundown to days in Making money that I can't spend I had a failing marriage and some fake friends I had to doubt my doubts and let faith in Was broken, God done brought me out like I was Moses I'm chosen, woke up Sunday morning feeling focused Funny acting, swipe left, yeah That's on mama's always capping Swipe left, yeah No more drama, mm, 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 mm. Boy, you know you blessed Last night was a mess God just hit refresh At this point with God Where you yelled and screamed at him Which I relate to um, And I think a lot of our listeners will relate to Because like us, they've never that They've had the point where they've been taught just to say yes and to love God. So to be really honest yeah. is really hard. Um, when did when did the, let me say like the mental or the spiritual, not the spiritual, the mental or the physical treatment for your for mental health stuff start happening for you? Because obviously the spiritual plays a huge part in it, but you've mentioned that like you went to therapy and stuff, I think. 
How did that happen for you? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the prayer life that just that moment that completely shifted my entire life and therapy were very close together in timing. And what I did is, is I knew from the get go, I would want a Christian therapist. And it's not because I wanted the, like, I didn't want the cheesy answers. Like, please don't tell me God will never leave me nor forsake me. Got it. Like I, I, I should just tattoo it on my body. I know, <laughs> but I wanted somebody with that same fresh faith, someone who yeah. still believed hope was the answer. Someone who believed that people are flawed. Like I need you to look at me and say, Hey, you're human. You're going to mess up. Sometimes you'll do it on purpose. Sometimes you won't. And you will be a hot mess 80% of the time. Like welcome to a flawed fallen world. So I wanted that perspective. And so I found someone, um, her name is Karen. She is in Atlanta, Georgia. And, and Karen was wonderful at one of the chapters in my book is about my first experience with her, my first day in therapy. And it, it was pretty movie-ish. You know, I went and sat on this big comfy couch. She gave me this herbal green tea. She's sitting there with a notepad and pen and asks me to spill my life. And I'm just telling her all of my stuff. And in my head, I'm going, please tell me you've talked to someone crazier. Please tell me like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to be the, the worst patient. But Karen was phenomenal because we did what's called brain spotting therapy. And it's really funky. It's where you fix your eyes on what's called a gaze spot. And it's your gaze spot is the place your eyes naturally go to find peace. And for me, it's natural lighting. I always love the birds. I love outside. So I would always look at the big window in her office and she'd start asking me questions about what had recently triggered me, what was bothering me the most. And we would always walk it back to its original root, because if we could understand what was triggering me, we could possibly prevent the trigger itself. And so I did lots of brain spotting with her for about a year. And just recently, and I mean, just four weeks ago, I started medication, like some some heavier medication. I did Lexapro. It didn't work. Tried Prozac. It it gave me lots of like heart palpitations, dizziness. It didn't work well with me, but I am on Zoloft now. I'm about four weeks into Zoloft and the medicine has done wonders alongside the therapy. And, and I think for me, I know a lot of people believe that if you're a believer and you have a mental health problem, your faith isn't strong enough. You've got to get a better grip on your mind. And I'm just over here saying, I think this is God's modern miracle. I think he has provided us with resources, with people, with medicine and I'm one of those people that I'd rather take a chance on believing in a miracle than banking on me ever performing well enough one day for this stuff to go away. It's, oh, it's just not going to yes. happen. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, I, I take medicine as well for mine. To, and, and the struggle to find the right, like the right one and then to adjust to it. Oh, it's, it's awful. It's necessary. It's like dating. It's awful. <laughs> it's like dating. You know, you just show up sometimes you're like, this is not working. Like, you're cute and all like right idea, but no. And then you, you know, I'm married now and you end up with the one that's perfect and cute, but sometimes you're just like, ah, do I have to show up with you every day? Like just, I've got okay. to remember that. So I've, yeah. <laughs> Treatment for my it's mental health stuff is like dating. I'm going to remember that. It's going to still, yes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, so you've mentioned um, a little bit about growing up in church um, mm-hmm. and church trauma um, and obviously how your mental health journey has sort of helped you to more, maybe more deeply forge your relationship with God, mm-hmm. if I can say that. Can you tell yeah, me a little yeah. bit about how 
your experience growing up in church um, played into mental illness and help like developing OCD? Yeah. So I grew up and I don't, I don't know how it works in Australia. Some of the different, I know a lot about Hillsong, but that's about as much as I know denominationally, but, but in, in America, I, I attended a small Southern Baptist church and Southern Baptist churches here are, um, they're different. Like there's, there's different subsets these days, but I grew up in your very old fashioned, I was, I think the fifth generation in my family to go to this little brick and mortar church. Um, so everybody knew everyone and everyone's stuff, which it made it easy for the church to almost be your busybody place. So that never, that never worked well with me. I, I never appreciated church being a, a place for gossip, but women were told to, you know, you, you can't wear pants. You better watch how much makeup you have on. You better watch the length of your skirt. I was also told if you used anything other than the King James Bible, you were going to hell. Um, I was not, as a woman, I was not allowed to speak. So when I wasn't allowed to lead in music, so there were no women helping sing or lead worship, you could play the piano, but that's because you were quiet. You weren't actually saying anything. Um, when the church discussed business, like anything about, Hey, here's where the money's going. Hey, as a church, we want to donate to this organization. What do you think? We were literally told women are not allowed to speak. If a woman got up, she was told to sit down. And so I grew up thinking to myself, what? You know, like, I'm supposed to believe that God is good. And I'm supposed to believe that we were all created equally. And all I'm getting told over and over is, hey, female, here's another rule. Hey, female, here's another rule. It's your fault if a man slips up. It's your fault if a man has a bad thought. Hey, here's another rule. Hey, be quiet. Hey, don't talk. Hey, we don't need your voice. And so I think what I subconsciously grew to believe was, does God need my voice? Like what, what, why, why do I need to talk to him? If, if these people are telling me it's not my place to speak, why would God want to commune with me for the rest of my life? Th- those two ideas don't coincide, but I'm also told he's, he's a God, he's, a, he's a judger. So if you don't follow these rules to hell you go. And so I'm over here just thinking, okay, I guess I check the boxes and keep my mouth shut. I read the King James. I don't have a clue what's going on. I mean, I can read it all day long and you throw enough these and thou's in there. I don't, all I know is the red is Jesus is saying something like, that's it. That's all I can tell you. I don't know. You know, I can wear the skirts that are super uncomfortable and itchy and I feel swallowed in them, but I'm wearing it. You know, this, apparently this does not turn on any man. So he, ho away we go this, I, you know, check mark for wearing the right clothes. I, I would sit back there and think, I don't like the way that money's being used. Like I, I would like to ask, why is the money going here and not there? But but I'll just be quiet because I'm told apparently that's you know that's following the rule, not giving cheerfully, not giving where where there's a true need, just being quiet. That's the rule. That's what makes God happy. So I grew up in this, and and I, I spilled my guts as I usually did to Karen, my therapist, and she. She looked at me and she said, well, you do realize there is something called spiritual abuse. Like there's emotional abuse. People can manipulate you. They can gaslight you. There's verbal abuse where people can down talk you and gaslight you with their words. And obviously there's physical abuse where people can assault you and put their hands on you. There's spiritual abuse like that. That goes full cycle. People can take your religion, your faith, what you believe and hold the dearest. And they can try to flip it on you. They can gaslight you with spirituality. And she said, you've, you've been abused. Like this is trauma and your brain has absorbed that trauma. And unfortunately 
because you were so young growing up in that, your brain literally received physical damage. And that just piles on the issues with your frontal cortex, not processing God in a healthy way. Like that's why you've kept him at an arm's distance. I mean, I socially distanced God my whole life. Just you stay there. I, I know you're there. I'm, I'm checking my boxes, but don't come anywhere near me because I don't know if I can like you. I, I just, I don't know if you're what they're telling me you are. And so just a lot to unravel. But again, so grateful for Christian therapy that, that opened the door for me to see that. Wow. And so in this way, you writing your book and you sharing your story with people and on podcasts is actually you taking back your power and defeating the trauma and the abuse all over again every single time. Yeah, it's, you know, they, they talk about the names of God in the Old Testament all the time. And I think the Old Testament gets glossed over a lot. We hear Jehovah Rapha, God is the healer, Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh. But my favorite is um, Jehovah Nisi, and it means the Lord is my banner. And so that's kind of how I see these podcasts and these opportunities to speak to people is this is God standing in front of me with a banner of truth. And this is me getting behind it day after day, showing up and speaking truth and just having him blaze the trail, him letting me meet people, me connecting with people. He's doing all the big stuff and I'm just getting behind him and telling people what he's doing. And it's always something good. So you're exactly right. This in its own way is therapy for me. Tonight. These moments pass you by Like a star, we shine bright We're lighting up the sky Let's be the light Be the light Tonight, be the light Let's be the light Tonight, let's be the light place where you you share your story regularly and you've worked so hard to be healthy in that but uh, thank you I I you've spoken with so much clarity and conviction um about something that's so hard to express and uh it's been really good for me Uh, I I know that like I even have friends just in my normal life where I live in Australia who will hear this and will be like oh my gosh that's me um 
just because we've we've grown up in this strict Christian environment or we've grown up with mental health stuff but haven't quite had the words to put things together or even how you talk about keeping God at a distance and trying to figure out what does that actually mean that um Thank you. That's that's that was not a question. It was just a thank you for this. Thank you for doing the work <laughs> and sharing Absolutely. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard work, but but it's worth it, especially when you can turn around and you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, this is the way walk in it. And and for me, that's what I want to do. I want to turn around and say, hey, this is the way to go. Like th- this is where you should walk. This is where I walked and it didn't work. This is where I've walked and it worked. So I that that's I my honor is to turn I around and I literally read that verse last night. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. Yes, I love that. Wonderful. Uh, That's Um, awesome. That's a God thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. Now, I've got a a few popcorn questions that are slightly more random or fun. But before (laughs) before we get to that, um, (laughs) where can people get your book and connect with you? Yeah. So the easiest way to get the book, the quickest way is going to be Amazon. You just Google or you just Amazon, I guess. Not so by myself, Peyton Garland. And it should pop up. There should be no other Peyton Garlands or not so by myself. Self is. <laughs> um, but if you want to know more about my blog, I, I do blog a little. If you want to find the best spot to also find my social media, like where we can connect there, go to my website. It's PeytonGarland.me. I also have a little shop called Pure O, a little shop of my obsessions. So I have some OCD fanware that I've made. Um, so oh a gosh, lot of it. everything, pretty much. <laughs> yes. A lot of everything is at PeytonGarland.me. Okay, awesome. And I'll make sure that I also include those links in the show notes so that okay. people can very easily click through and just be like, look, we're friends now. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Popcorn questions. You clearly love rap music. Uh, If you decided (laughs) to be a rapper, what would your name be? Well, my husband, my husband calls me rap names all the time. And I don't, I don't know why he does it. Um, He calls me Lil P and I'm like, well, P is what people do in the potty. (laughs) So I'm just, I'm not sure that I want to go with, with Lil P. Um, I've tried to think of something with OCD and I just can't come up with a good acronym. <laughs> like I, I wish it was OCD. Cause I would totally be off the crazy train. Like that'd be my rap <laughs> name off the crazy train. So nice. if, if you think of anything, if you think of anything that goes OCD really well, let me know because that is what I would roll with. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll see what I come up with. But, but they're very good options. <laughs> Little P would have been something that like a kid superstar would have had very unfortunately and would have carried it through their entire life. Exactly. <laughs> with exactly. Well, and when I was, when I was little, um, I actually have a small bladder. Like my bladder is smaller than the average adults. And when I was little, before we knew it, I would, I would pee all the time. And my nickname <laughs> in high school ended up being P. P-E-E. Oh that is what people wrote in my yearbook. Now, granted, I'll be honest, mixed with some trauma, it was the perfect excuse to go pray. I'd be like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. And, you know, I'd go pray that I wasn't going to hell. So it, it came in handy when I was, you know, going through trauma and whatnot. But if you ask my graduating class, hey, what was Peyton's nickname? P-P-E-E. I'll have to send you a yearbook one day just so oh, you can. my god! You can have prayer. <laughs> You are a champion for now wearing and sharing that story with so much dignity and grace and confidence. That's phenomenal. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Um, second question. 
what is your most iconic or favorite album of any genre ever? Or if it's hard to choose an album, oh. you can choose like a singer or a handful of singers or rappers. Ooh, okay. So I'm a Christian school kid, and if I, I don't say the Jesus one first, I'll go to hell. So the first one has got to be Forever Amen by Stephanie Gretzinger. So she used to sing with Bethel. She went off on her own. Um, so Forever Amen is her most recent album. Uh, my therapist taught me. So I, I've done the Enneagram test. I don't know if you've heard yes. of it, but yes. it's a personality Love test. Mm-hmm. My therapist, she said this, and it was beautiful information. She said, when you are having a hard time, because I'm a one, I have a hard time with perfection, with performance. She said, find a Christian artist, songwriter, who is the same Enneagram as you, because what you don't realize is they are writing to the spaces that you need to show up in. They are filling voids. They're searching for the same things you are because your minds and your spirits think the same. And Stephanie Gretzinger is a one. And so she she is my go-to. Uh, that, is, that is my music. And I think... Oh, my husband will laugh because he just doesn't think, Yeah, you know, he thinks my rapping wannabe career is just outlandish. <laughs> I think um, NF, it, I yes. NF is my favorite. <laughs> okay. Too, too NF, um, yes. Great. <laughs> but we'll just have to just get a plane ticket. If you're ever in the mood to travel internationally or I'll let yes. you know, I'm terrified of spiders and I always keep hearing there's big spiders in Australia. So I'm yes. over here like, I don't. I don't know if I could do the spiders, but if you want to travel internationally, just come over anytime and we can listen to music. But NF's my favorite. The search was, was just lyrical genius, but his mixtape clouds has some stuff on it that I just, you know, I want to say on the seventh day, God made rap music and just didn't tell anybody. And that's why I birthed NF. So we could know that truth. So the, the clouds mixtape by NF is my go-to. It's, I actually listen to rap music when I'm cooking and when I wake up, which is so odd. Like I give me all the loud yelling and everything at 6 a.m. and give it to me while I'm cooking. Whatever, whatever you need to keep you motivated. I mean, right? <laughs> right? That. That's amazing. Oh, you're giving me so many one-liners. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to use them all in my promotion for this episode. <laughs> um, Love it. Last question. Uh, could be slightly deeper. Just depends where you want to take it. If you could go back sure. to the day that your husband moved into state for his job, and you were left with the dogs trying to manage everything, what would you say to yourself, knowing what you know now? Well, <laughs> I'll start lighthearted because there were some things where I went, "Oh my goodness." all of the dirty clothes will now be in the hamper, like in the dirty (laughs) laundry basket. Yes. Like I will not find socks in the couch, on the floor, on the kitchen counter, in the dog's mouth. Like, yay, all of the dirty clothes will be in one central place. So that was one thought. You know, I I could have my home and it could smell good and it could look nice and nobody was going to bother it. But (laughs) I think on a a more honest, real note, I would tell myself that you can't get mad at him for a space that God is about to invite you into. I had a lot of anger at Josh for leaving, even though it wasn't something he wanted to do. I, I threw the anger on him. But actually, that was a lot of pinned up anger from everything that had everything to do with anything except him. I was about to unpack 
God, the church, OCD, and all of that anger that it shouldn't have ever been thrown on him. So I'd say, you know, he's a, he's a good dude. And, and maybe your anger's coming from somewhere else. So let's give a little more grace. Even when my light burns low, I could never lose my hope. I've been down this road before. Now I know it's way to go. You can try to drag me down, but I'll be living in the clouds. Everybody has their doubts, but you can't stop now. I want it like I need to breathe, yeah. Make it clear like I need to see. Woo. As a kid, mama told me sky's a limit till you hit it like King Griffey to the benches. Out of there, out the park, hit and run. That's my drive. That's my drive. It's a vibe, been that way all my life, yeah. I shut it down when I shine with the truth, yeah. I ride with the truth, gave my life to the truth, testify. Walking water like the son of man, understand? I'll never drown. Take a hit, never quit. Trains off the rail Through the pain we prevail Tell them you just gotta live Even when my light burns low I could never lose my hope I think from now on Peyton should just like ditch her full name when writing books and just go by Little P or or she could become a Christian's children's entertainer and go by Little P because church parents are definitely going to buy that. I mean, we buy dancing vegetables for children. We are going to buy something by Little P that sings about Jesus. Yeah, you're welcome, Peyton. You've got that and a Hallmark movie in the wraps and I will happily take any royalties or any ins in the industry that you have. You're so welcome, my friend. <laughs> Guys, I really hope that you enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, it was intense, it was deep, and it was heavy, but there was so much to it that I related to, and so much that I think a lot of you can relate to, um, whether we've gone through our own mental health experiences, or we've gone through our own deconstruction, or we've, we've just experienced isolation and loneliness, and we've had to grapple with that, grapple with spirituality and our health and basically being an adult. Peyton is so honest, but she's also she's also done so much healing. Like I've talked about this before in other interviews, but you can tell when someone has done a lot of heart work, right? You can tell when they have seen a counselor or talked through things and they've they've prayed and they've done the hard yards. Like this is deep grueling stuff that can take months, years to work through. We're all a work in process. But with Peyton, you can tell that she's come to a point in her recovery. And I use the word recovery in a lifelong sense when you live with mental health issues like I do. Peyton has come to a point in her recovery where she can share her story in such a life-giving, honest way. It doesn't, it doesn't harm her mental health. It actually empowers her and it empowers the people around her to know it's okay to not be okay as it goes, but to know that it's okay to talk about these things. And that's often the biggest hurdle because when we're isolated, we think that we're the only ones going through this. That's what the depression tells us or what the anxiety tells us or what the obsessive-compulsive tendencies or thoughts tell us when 
we have to do everything just right for fear that something will go wrong if we don't. Thank you, Peyton. Thank you, thank you, thank you um, for your patience while we set this interview up and for sharing your story so generously with the world. You are incredibly courageous. I say that with so much respect and um, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for what you were doing in Christian culture. Friends, you can go and pick up Peyton Garland's memoir, Not So By Myself, now at all good bookshops. You will also find it on her website at peytongarland.me. You can connect with Peyton on Instagram at Peyton M. Garland, author. That is P-E-Y-T-O-N and then just M. Garland is G-A-R-L-A-N-D. You'll find her on Facebook as well. Please connect with her. Um, she's been on a bunch of other podcasts recently. Read her blogs. See what you can learn. See what you can find out. If you're like me and you also experience obsessive compulsive tendencies, you'll probably, it's, it's a big relief for me meeting Peyton and learning about these things and someone else's learned, lived experience. It gives me context. Even this far along in my recovery journey, it reminds me that, oh wait, I'm not, I'm not broken. I'm just human. I'm just human and that's okay. And there are other people out there like me or who are, who are struggling or battling like me, but we're actually incredibly strong. That's what Peyton reminded me of, and I, I hope that you guys got that too. Now, I know that we had a special playlist today, all in honour of Peyton. Um, so if you would like the specific song titles and artists for each of the songs that you heard today, make sure you check out our show notes. They are all listed there, as well as links to Peyton's social media, where you can buy her book, all those good things. And if today was difficult for you in any way. I know talking about mental health uh, can be can be hard. And I know that talking about religious abuse or spiritual trauma is really hard and can be triggering. If that resonated with you today, please know it's okay to ask for help. Now, I know it's not as easy as me just saying that. Even after X amount of years in recovery, it's really hard for me to ask for help. But you don't have to live with these big feelings and emotions and thoughts alone so if you're in a point of like crisis and you or you just need to talk to someone and you don't know who calling a lifeline is awesome you don't you don't literally don't have to be in crisis it's just about you having a safe place to vent and talk our friends at To Write Love on Her Arms have a phenomenal international database where they list a whole bunch of numbers and websites and text lines from around the world. Um, I know because uh, a while back my sister actually ran a nonprofit in Australia and when we closed that down, we actually passed on a lot of our resources to To Write Love on Her Arms. Now they've got, since gone through, edited that, vetted every resource. They continue to do that years later, but I know that they closely go through every resource and also have location-specific resources if you live in the United States. So please just go and visit twoloha.com that is t-w-l-o-h-a.com forward slash find dash help again that link is in our show notes you can also access trite love on all social media just at twoloha t-w-l-o-h-a thanks for doing this one with me my friends 
October is actually Mental Health Month in Australia. So it felt really timely and powerful to close up this month with Peyton's story. Now we'll be back with another episode very soon with a Christian musician. It's good. Trust me, it's good. If you want to get that as soon as it drops, make sure that you're subscribed to us on your favorite podcast platform. If you're listening to us and you found us, but you literally just search Between You and Me podcast and hit subscribe, while you're there, would you please consider giving us a rating? It helps people to find us, which is awesome. And I think that's about the end of my spiel. Thanks for doing this episode with me, my friends. I will talk to you very, very soon. Until then, here's to hope. Broken, bruised and feeling hopeless. Love is calling. I've made a perfect decision. I'm gonna live, live. So many pressures on my mind, but I'm dancing through the night. No more questions, no more proof. Now I know this is love. I've made a perfect decision. I'm gonna live, live. I'm gonna live. Live this life, live this life, live this life. I'm gonna live I'm gonna